Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of life coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show, but I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Hey, what's up, my friends? Hope that you are doing well wherever you are in the world today. Before we get started, I wanted to let you know that I've released some new material on Think Unbroken Academy. If you go to thinkunbrokenacademy.com, you can take the self-love assessment as well as the free course is CPTSD Controlling My Life, as well as sign up for the upcoming courses where we take some deep dives into mindset, healing, trauma, and overcoming. So you can check that out at thinkunbrokenacademy.com and I will see you in the classroom. Hey guys, wanted to let you know that this episode of the Michael Unbroken podcast is a little bit different than episodes past because I am hanging out with my friend and entrepreneur, Ciara Pressler, who is one of my favorite people on planet Earth. And the tables are turned this time where she is actually interviewing me. So really excited to share this one with you guys. It's full of great information, a little bit longer than usual. Um, and as usual, my friends, be unbroken. I'll see ya. 
Welcome to the Michael Unbroken podcast, where it's all about understanding your past, getting out of the vortex, creating intention, cultivating self-belief, and becoming the hero of your own story. This podcast answers real client questions with real, personal, practical, and actionable advice based on science, mindset, and becoming unbroken. Now, your trauma coach, author, and speaker, Michael Anthony. Welcome to the interview. I'm Ciara Kressler, your founder of Pregame, your interviewer extraordinaire. Uh, this is where I interview my friends who are creators, game changers, and innovators in a whole range of things from business to life. And today I'm very excited to welcome my dear friend, Michael Anthony. Uh, I met Michael about probably three to four years ago mm -hmm. in Portland. And um, since then, he's been on a, a global adventure, uh, which culminated in the publishing of his book, Think Unbroken. And that's what we're going to talk about today. So welcome, Michael. Thank you so much. I'm very excited. Um, first, uh, what's that COVID life been like? Um, are you locked down? What's going on? Yeah, it's been productive. Um, that's what it's been. Uh, yeah, I mean, you can't do anything. So like everyone, I'm just... Uh, just doubling down on work because it's like, what else am I going to do, you know? So, well, you have been out there. You were, um, you know, out in the streets, uh, Black Lives Matter protests going on. Uh, I saw you out there in downtown Portland. Yeah. Um, have you been getting out, doing some activism? Yeah, less now because I, I feel like I have to be cognizant of the fact that uh, if I'm assaulted by someone, including police, I will defend myself. And ultimately, that puts me in a really tough spot. Um, and so, yeah, I'm doing my activism online now. Um, it just, it seems like the, the wise thing to do because I just know who I am. Yeah, I hear you. I think, um, you know, especially at, at the beginning, right after the murder of George Floyd, you know, everybody, or at least some people were catalyzed to be out there in the streets, but you also have to, you know, of course there've been protests every single night in Portland for, um, nearly three months now. Yeah, and, almost 80 days. Yeah, which I'm really proud of our city for that, but totally. um, we also have to balance our energy and know also, I think um, we've been out in the streets before <laughs> this summer too. And so it's like yeah. playing the long game. What else can I be doing? Yeah, totally. I mean, that, and that's what I've said to many people. It's like, this isn't the first time that I've done this, right? This isn't the first time that a lot of us have. Um, we've been fighting this battle since we were kids, right? And our parents before them so it's not new for some people it is and i'm glad that they're on board but for the majority of us it's like this is just like last week and the week before that and the year before that so you know the only thing i hope is that these efforts and as we notice you know especially with the new vp candidate uh right. nomination like we have there's change afoot and so it's like really beautiful to see which is particularly interesting because uh you and i both identify as multiracial or biracial um i don't know how you usually define it yeah biracial yeah and kamala harris of course is also a black and dot 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 yeah. <laughs> so you know it's something i watch with interest like, our people are finally getting their time <laughs> <laughs> well we had barack obama you know so yeah that's true yeah who what <laughs> Yeah, and, and you and I have a lot of discussions about um, 
having that multiple identity and and I know you and I have some similar feelings on that but also different backgrounds yeah totally yeah. yeah well you know I think it's a conversation to be had um you know for a lot of time we got pigeonholed into these conceptual ideas of what race is in America and I felt like really until the last year or two the conversation around being biracial, multiracial is just kind of like, oh, you're either black or you're white, but if you're brown, you're probably black, right? Or whatever ethnicity is the dominant characteristic trait in your life. So yeah, you know, it's it's really spectacular to see that there is such a differentiation beginning to happen um, because, you know, it's acknowledgement. And I, I, for one, really appreciate it as someone who felt invisible for a long time. Yeah, I hear you. I think um, there's something, there's part of the conversation that's happening now around Black Lives Matter that, you know, you can identify as more than one thing and be fully both things. Like, I don't have to be 50% Black and 50% White. I can be 100% Black and 100% White and 100% Female and 100%, you know, like all the different identities that we have. And um, yeah. that's been very healing for me where through my life, I felt like I had to pick sides. Totally. It's super powerful, right? Because, you know, one of the things that we often crave as human beings is acknowledgement as we want to be seen, we want to be heard, be felt. Um, and for a long time, we were invisible. And it's, that's what it is, right? It's that feeling of, oh, well, people actually notice who I am as a as a being. Um, and, you know, I'm not just thrown into this pile of, I guess you belong here. So yeah, it's powerful. I feel it too. It's palatable. Um, you know, especially like even it's happening in pop culture. You have shows like Blackish and Mixedish and, you know, all the ishes. And like, that's amazing. I love it. Yeah, grownish. I feel so seen from those, you know, it's fun to watch yeah. Mixedish and see this girl who was like, you know, it takes place in the 80s and she's the age I was in mm -hmm. the 80s and, and navigating all that awkwardness of being kind of like this mixed race nerd <laughs> in school. I love yeah. it. Yeah. yeah, it's incredible. Well, so we are talking about Think Unbroken, your fantastic book. Um, Thank you. I, I am so grateful you gave me a copy, but I'm also grateful that now is when I'm diving into it because you gave me this the first week of January of this year and the world has totally changed since then. And some of the you know personal work and spiritual work I've been doing, um, especially post-COVID, um, really intersects in a beautiful way with this. So... Tell us a bit about why you were inspired to write this book. Yeah, um, it. I mean, realistically, what happened is this was supposed to be a blog post and I was gonna do the five steps for you to whatever, right? And as I sat down and I started writing it about three years ago, what I recognized was that was incomplete. The idea of just putting out a blog post was never going to fully encompass uh, what it is that I understood about the process of taking control of your life, ultimately working through and understanding your past and, and stepping into this place where you become the person that you're capable of being. And so as I'm writing this blog post, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Next thing you know, it's 5,000 words, 8,000, 10,000, 15, 20, 25, 30, 50,000 words. And I'm like, oh, this is actually a book. <laughs> and and then I made intention to, I, I actually had written the first version of it. And then I totally rewrote the entire thing into a book format. Um, and then I made it, what I recognized like is 
in my journey, there's been a lot of pieces of the puzzle that have come together that made sense in a really palatable way for me. And so I thought to myself, what this actually needs to be is also not only a guide, but a practical exercise. And so as you notice in the book, there are entries and there are places where you write and it is about having an intrinsic understanding of who you are and taking those ideas and notions that exist in your brain and putting them down on paper. Because we know as people who write, it helps us formulate a better understanding of everything, right? Journaling is so important and powerful, but so is reflecting and answering really hard questions about who you are. And so it started as this idea and I extrapolated a bunch of things from my workshop and from different parts of the business. And ultimately it came to be this thing. And even now, even though it's, you know, it's been a number one seller on Amazon and it's had a lot of traction and I've talked about it a lot. It's still not even complete. There's so much to this. And so I actually already started writing the next one because I recognized, oh, that 50,000 page book in your hand right now really actually need to be like 200,000. So how do I really create a series that's impactful for people? And so that's kind of the high and low of it. Yeah, words, not pages. I want to clarify. It's very digestible. <laughs> no, no, pages. I totally meant pages. Yeah, 100%. Because like realistically, it, on my shelf right now, I have so many books about mindset and healing and trauma and growth. And you're talking about hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pages worth of books. And realistically, it's that level of education that I think really helps people understand and create change. I mean, as someone who I know you have a gigantic bookshelf, like I'm sure you resonate with that. Yeah, you know... I, I appreciate so much the point you make in this book that the journey of getting your power back of personal development and especially healing from early life childhood trauma is, is an open-ended journey. There is no finish line. And I think in our culture, we, uh, we love band-aids. We love simple solutions. We love seven day cleanses. We love mm -hmm. 30 days to a hundred thousand dollars. And that is not how the journey of healing from trauma works. No, not at all. And, you know, I, I tell my clients all the time, right, because some of them are like me and they're perfectionists and some of them just have never really dove into personal growth. And it doesn't matter where they are in their journey. The one thing I always say is at the end of this, you don't get a certificate. You don't get a trophy. You don't get anything to hang up on your wall that says, I'm done. I'm healthy. That's not how life works. And so even today, even though this is what I do and I coach and I mentor and I write and I speak, I still have my practices. I still meditate and journal and go through and do the things that I'm supposed to do because, you know, in 20 years from now, I'm still going to need these tools. And ultimately, I want to continue to grow. And I think if you want to continue to grow, you have to recognize that there's no stopping point. It doesn't just end. And I think that's a case for grounding the work in self-care. You know, the, the yeah. process needs to be enjoyable so that you keep doing it. Yeah, well, and like, honestly, sometimes it's not enjoyable. Sometimes it's you have to put yourself in a position to be uncomfortable, because you've spent so long being comfortable with things that don't bring value to your life. And you have to step into this place where, you know, sometimes you have to step outside of who you think you are, and into these other parts of you that you want to explore, and then double down on your effort to grow there, because it's in that uncomfortable space that you're going to decide and understand exactly the path that you're on, you know, because I, I look at it like this, like no part of me is interested in journaling, right? It's, it's something that I do because it helps me, right? And that's uncomfortable. 
So, you know, it, it should, and there are also parts of it that should be fun, right? I love CrossFit. I love yoga. I love, you know, a lot of different aspects of, of my self-care um, habits and practices and routines, but ultimately a lot of them are also like really uncomfortable. Yeah. I say to myself, Ciara, take your medicine when I don't yeah. want to do these things. Yeah. I always remind myself, like, you got to pay the taxes, that's how I think about it. I'm like, there's always, there's a fee of entry for everything that you want to accomplish in life. I like that. Well, so let's take it back. Um, the beginning of this book was, was hard to read as your friend, you know, it was really yeah. heartbreaking what, what you went through early in life, but you know, of course it validates the advice that you're giving in the book because you, you started out from a place that you didn't have any of these tools. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, you know what, I wanted to step into that part of the book, the preface, in this really poignant way. Even though it's a long preface, it's very like to the point because realistically, if I shared my entire life story and all of the darkness, like it would be hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of pages, right? And that's because what you see is a high level. That's 1% of the chaos that I experienced as a child. And I understood that we have this thing called connection as human beings and that is through relation right think about all of your friendships your relationships the point of interest is always commonality and i thought to myself how can i possibly step into this position of guiding people if they don't understand where i've come from right you know there's there's gurus and there's people who step up and they go oh i do this thing but they haven't experienced it and they sell snake oil. And the only thing that I ever sell is truth, right? And it's there if you want to accept it. And the hard part about this journey and getting to health is that you do have to acknowledge the really bad parts of the existence that you've had being a human being. And we all have it. Like nobody has walked through this unscathed. Um, it's just some people's stories happen to be a little bit more intense than others. Um, and so I recognize that and I wanted to share that because I think it's the catalyst for understanding um, and self-compassion and for recognizing like realistically people go, oh, holy shit, like you survived that. Maybe I can get through this. And I'm like, cool. That's what you need to understand. And that's why you wrote it because you wanted to write it's almost a love letter to yourself as a child, like everything that the handbook that you wish you had had. Yeah, this is a hundred percent what I wish I would have had, not even as a kid, but in my twenties, if someone would have just smacked me in the face with this book, things would have been way different for me though. Of course, had they been, we wouldn't be having this conversation right now. Right. Maybe in a parallel universe, but realistically, because as I stepped into, and I'm a huge advocate for personal growth and self-help and seminars and education, because I always think there's something you can learn that can make your life better. But what was missing in all the things specifically in the range of trauma and healing abuse and things like that was something like this. It was a lot of talking at, but not a lot of introspective reflection. And so I wanted to make it a journey about really being able to understand the dynamics and the parameters around what this actually means when you kind of flip and reframe the mindset of healing, if that makes sense. Yeah, I, and for those who are familiar with um, psychology or have done some of their own um, trauma you know, exploration, there's a concept called ACEs, right? The Adverse mm -hmm. Child Experiences Score. And it's um, a list of, of 10 things that may have happened in one's childhood 
that kind of could be predictive of, of bigger issues later in life, health issues, mental health, physical health. And just to explain to people, you know, how adverse you are coming from, I mean, you have a score of 10 out of 10. I have three, which is not to dismiss it. They're all really important, but um, to be coming from a 10 out of 10 in those adverse childhood experiences, it led then to a life in your 20s of having a lot of the fallout from that. Can you talk about that? Yeah, and not even in my 20s, it manifested so much earlier. Um, and those questions are really important because they do create a baseline that I think a lot of people have to recognize that your past can be indicative of what's happening in your present. And it's not only in the mental and emotional aspect of things, you know, i.e. people moving towards drugs and alcohol as coping mechanisms, self-destructive behavior, self-sabotage, negative self-talk, um, all of those parts of it are true, right? And then there's the psychological aspects of um, depression, anxiety, bipolar disorder, you know, manic depressiveness, all of those things. And there's also the physical ramifications and implications of that also in that you could have un undiagnosable diseases and illnesses that come from nowhere. Your body keeps a lot of tension in it, so stress is high. Um, you have pulmonary embolisms and heart attacks and diabetes and cancer at exponentially higher rates. All of these things are exponentially higher rates as you kind of answer yes to those questions. Um, and so I actually put a course recently on Think Unbroken Academy for people to learn about that because I think it's so important and so foundational to understanding why you are where you are in your life right now. And so as you go through that questionnaire, which was created by the California Disease Center for Disease Control um, in the mid-90s, which was a study at, at first, which was to identify is there a correlation between obesity and childhood experiences, which does hold true, but also they were able to extrapolate more data points and find that as you hit that scale, for instance, like if you have an answer of four or more of yeses to that, you're up to 5,200% more likely, 5,200% versus someone with none to commit suicide and up to 3,000% to be an alcoholic and 2,000% to be a smoker. And the list goes on and on and on. There's so much information and data about this. But if you can recognize, and this is what was per important for me as an analytical person, is I was able to put one plus one together. I was able to extrapolate from this data, oh, okay, these things are very likely the reason why these other things started to happen in my life. Yeah, I, I really identify with that. When you get to a point in life that it's not just about breaking a habit, you know, oh, you know, I, I need to do this each day. But when you're caught in a loop, yeah. you know, of compulsive behavior, of addictive behavior, and you cannot get out. It may not just be a matter of a bad habit. It might be something from way back that's driving you. Yeah, you can totally be indoctrinated into those beliefs, right? We talk about limiting self-beliefs and negative intention and things like that. It's true because here's what you have to think about. What I want people to understand is it's true that we are the sum total of all of our experiences leading up to this moment. And so if your entire life, people have told you, you're never going to be successful. No one's ever going to love you. You're not beautiful. You're not handsome. You're, you're all these negative things. As you continue to progress through life, that's going to hold true until you reframe it. Right. And so it's the same concept. It goes deeper, right? It is so embedded and ingrained in us. Literally it could be your third grade teacher saying that you're stupid 
right? Nonchalantly because you sucked at the spelling bee. And for the rest of your life, you never step up to the plate. And so you have to kind of backtrack and you reflect on that and you go, oh, these certain scenarios in my life could be indicative of what's happening right now. Yeah, I think that's an important thing to point out. You know, some people came from a very obviously difficult start or abusive, you know, if you grew up in an environment where very clearly there was abuse, poverty, you know, verbal abuse, as well as emotional, mental, physical, you know, it might be the line is very straight, but um, sometimes it's not as obvious, you know, it took, it took many years of, of therapy and self-awareness before I, I was even able to identify um, situations as potential trauma, um, because it, you know, grew up in a middle class life, you know, had parents throughout most of my childhood, both together, I had a mother who was very encouraging, but then there are things that maybe are, you know, microaggressions that build up or um, when you live in a culture that doesn't accept you, bringing it back to, you know, growing up in the 80s as a person of color, maybe better than growing up in the 20s, but still not easy. And, um, you know, some of those things build up over time. And I think we don't always consciously recognize those as being contributing factors to things being difficult later on. Yeah, 100%. I mean, there's so much that is ingrained in us. I mean, think about it. We have, what, 6,000 thoughts a day, right? Something crazy like that. And we're just always consuming not only ourselves, but the world. And things are chaotic. And of course, it could literally be the smallest little thing that in passing seems nominal. You go, oh, okay, whatever. But then as you deep dive into it, you go, oh, actually, that was the domino effect that has now led me to where I am. And I think creating self-awareness and understanding that it's okay to be vulnerable with yourself, first and foremost, will lead you to this place of understanding. Because for a lot of us, it is incredibly difficult to be vulnerable with ourselves because we're terrified of the truth that we hold. And realistically, sometimes that truth is really dark and ugly. That was my experience for a long time. And then sometimes that truth is also acknowledging the power that we have and the ability that we have and the capacity that we have to do really beautiful, amazing things, which also was an uncomfortable thing for me to recognize, right? Um, but it's only through that kind of intrinsic understanding that, that you really can start to create change. We have to acknowledge the fact that we are, and in, in an essence, we are what we think. We are exactly what we want to project in the world. And then when those things are reflected to us, we, once we can build the capacity for it, have the ability to say, you know what, you can keep your projection. It doesn't get to exist. And I identify and I get to define who it is that I'm in the world. And it takes a long time to get to that place, right? Where you go, no, no, no. I, I value you as a human being. Like you can judge me, you can have your opinion of me, but it doesn't actually get to impact who I am in my day-to-day -day life. And, and that's not putting up a wall and that's not closing anyone down. That's not self-boundary because you've built self-love for yourself that is so deeply ingrained in you that anyone can throw whatever they want at you and you're still gonna hold fast. And it takes a long time to get to that place, but you can't get there until you can identify the breaks in the wall to begin with. You teach people how to treat you. Yeah, hundred percent. Like no one knows how to take care of themselves until they learn how to take care of themselves. Cause we're not taught that, right? No one, I, I do not remember any moment in my childhood, in my teens, even in most of my twenties where anyone ever sat me down and said, Hey, you know what you should do? Like maybe be nice to yourself. Yeah, and, and it's it's not only people telling you, it's 
leading by example. If you can have um, adults around you, parents who tell you to, to be one way, but if they're behaving differently, that's what you pick up. Yeah. Yeah. Of course we notice that and we think that we, it holds true, right? It's like, you know, I remember being a child and we would be a church family at church, but then in real life, it was like this really different scenario, which that holds true in a lot of places. We all wear masks, right? And so ultimately you have to get to this place if you're brave enough to step into it, which is very scary, where your mask is totally removed and you are who you are at all times. And that's a hard place to be because we fear judgment and repercussion, um, and, but also it's super empowering. And I had this moment, and you'll appreciate this because you and I are the kind of people where we have read every business entrepreneur book of all time, where we know can name all the people, we've read all of their autobiographies. And in about 2008, um, I was diving deep. I'm talking about reading Richard Branson and you know, all of it. it goes, the list goes on and on. But my point being is the one thing that I noticed as I was reading all these books and discovering the thing that all these entrepreneurs had in common, it was an unbelievable belief in their self. Like, and that to me was really one of the catalysts that created change in my life because I recognized, oh, they don't care what other people think about them. And not in like a douchey asshole way, but in a like, they truly, truly believe in themselves and their capabilities so much that nothing deters them from the game plan that they have and the way that they want to live their life. And when I recognized that, I started to execute against that because I was like, how do I get there? Wow. Well, you say that the foundation for all of it is ownership. And I want to talk about that and read this excerpt that I love in the book. You say, knowing and understanding that the shit that happened to you as a child wasn't your fault doesn't mean that you get to use those things as a scapegoat for the shit you have done or will do. What comes with this acceptance is freedom from the weight of it all, and you are the only one strong enough to lift the boulder. Yeah, it's true. I don't know what else I can say. You read it, right? Like, that's <laughs> reality. That's the truth, right? We, we, it, it's really hard. This is one of the hardest things I think anyone will ever do when it comes to working through their past is there's an acknowledgement that you have to make along the lines of really bad stuff happened to me. And in that acknowledgement, you have to also accept the fact that it's not your fault. Those things that happened to you, it's not your fault. And like, you always hear that, right? You can go watch fucking Goodwill Hunting and he says that. It's not your fault. Well, it's not your fault. But realistically, like you, you do, you have to understand that. You have to embed it. You have to adopt it and adapt it into your life and not let it be the thing that holds you back. Because we often want to blame all the circumstances around us for where we're at in our life. It's always someone's problem. It's always someone's fault. Like I get it because that was my life for a very long time. Why do I need to be in an emotionally vulnerable relationship? Why do I have to be kind to people? Why do I have to be kind to myself? I don't have to do those things. I was led to believe that this is the way that people are treated. This is the way that life is. And it's not my fault. So if I'm an asshole, that's not on me. Wrong. It is on me. It is my thing. It is my issue. It is my problem to solve. And in that acknowledgement creates the pathway for real change, right? Because then you put yourself in this position where it kind of comes into this place. And this is my motto. This is the way I live my life is 
no excuses, just results. Like how do you put yourself in a position to stop making excuses? And that's what ownership is. We always want to make excuses. But the reality is there's always a workaround. There's always a way to get to where you want to go. But you have to ask yourself, how hard are you willing to work? What are you willing to invest? And, and how long are you willing to stay on the path to get there? Because in a journey, whether it's in business or life or healing or relationships, like if you set a goal and you reverse engineer it, a lot of times the path there is about three to four times longer than you ever imagined. And so you have to be willing to see it through and be super patient because ultimately if you want it bad enough, you'll stay on the path. And that's not to say you won't have ups and downs because you will, but you stay the course and eventually it'll come to pass. So here's where I struggle with this concept and I cannot wait to hear your take on it. Sure. Um, you know, radical personal responsibility is great. It's also a very American value. And I think it gets misused sometimes to um, give institutions and people an excuse to not take care of each other. So yeah. for example, you know, in the current conversation with diversity, equity, and inclusion, um, you know, yes, people have been systemically, systematically held back from achieving. Can we really put it all on them to achieve? Yeah, I, you know, I think that's a really fascinating question and there's levels of this, right? I mean, there's so much to it. And I, I don't think that there's ever a one size fits all answer for this because like I look at the disparity of my youth and growing up in one of the most impoverished cities in America, being, being homeless for the majority of my childhood, um, sometimes eating and stealing food just to survive from the school cafeteria and looking at how unfucking fair life is. And then having this moment where I go, okay, yes, life is unfair, but there's always a way to accomplish what you want to accomplish. And so like, and, and maybe this is where I have a hard time with your hard time is I go, and, and I'm sorry. Like life fucking sucks sometimes. It's not fair. I don't think most of us sign up for half of the crap that we have to go through. And most, I don't know anybody who like signed up to be born. We don't get any choice. We come in and we are born into what we are born into. We could have been born in the 1600s or we could be born in 2400. You don't know and you don't have a choice. But what you do have is the ability to decide how you want to let those things impact and influence your life, right? There is a level of choice. I mean, systemically, yes, a lot of us, especially people of color and men of color specifically, we are built within this foundational system for failure. And even when we start to succeed, failure still right there. I mean, I can't tell you how many times like in my 20s having a, a beautiful Cadillac, something I worked really hard for, I must have been pulled over 25 times, right? Driving while black, living in Indiana, right? And so, you know, I think about that too, like even though I'm successful and I'm doing it legally at this point, which I would know is very important, um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I still was constantly faced with this concept of even though I'm succeeding, there are people who want to bring me down. And realistically, the thing that really sucks about this is we're stuck playing the game within the parameters of the system that have been set. But ultimately, there is a decision that has to be made about how hard are you going to push through those fucking barriers to get to where you want to go, regardless of what's in front of you. And so, you know, that's a hard mentality because a lot of people go, well, there's always something. There's always something to keep you down and hold you back. 
And it's true. There always will be something. No one's ever going to be on the same page and we're never going to be on an even playing field. That's just not the reality. I'm sorry. I wish it were because if it were, life would be very different than it is right now, right? But it's not. And so you have to make a decision. What are you willing to do to have the life that you want to have? And a lot of times that's a mindset thing, right? You're going to have to work through barriers. You're going to have to figure out how to make it happen. I didn't graduate high school on time. I barely read English and I wrote a book, right? I think about that. I think about the trauma that I've gone through. I think about where I'm at now and helping other people leverage this. I think about the idea that realistically and statistically, I should be dead or in jail. And yet I'm sitting here talking to you. And that's the thing that people have to understand is that there's always choice. There's always the ability to find a way. It's the same way that you hear about kids who come from the middle of nowhere, Africa, in, in war, and yet they're doctors, right? They're here in America. They're doctors. They got a PhD. They do heart surgery. Like, they're amazing people. And that goes, and that's like a small sample size of the world population, but that's where my mind goes. Like, they figured it out. Ultimately, you just have to ask, your question, ask yourself, like, how do I figure this out? How do I set myself up for success despite everything? Because you know what? I recognize even though my life is where it's at right now, there are going to be barriers. There are going to be roadblocks. There are people who don't want me to succeed. The fucking system doesn't want me to succeed. There's always something. I have to walk down the street every day and be scared that a cop is going to kill me. And yet, what am I going to do? Not leave my house? Right? There, I mean, it's hard. I could talk about this all day. And I don't, again, I just want to be clear. I don't think there is a one-size-fits-all answer. But there is a point at where you just have to go, you know what? Fuck the system. I'm going to figure this out. It reminds me, I have a good friend who had worked on a goal um, for many years, wasn't achieving it, but never gave up. And one day I said to her, you know, how do you keep such a good attitude about this? You know, like you have this goal, you're not getting there. Like, I see you trying. I see you staying so positive. And she said, what's the alternative? Yeah. To be, you know, like to give up, to be depressed about it. And that just had such an impact on me because it's, Part of what you're talking about is like, how do I want to experience the world? Yeah. Do I want to experience it as a victim and be mad all the time? Or do I want to be looking for solutions and stay curious and see people as potential allies and protect myself? And like, do I want to choose to live in the space of the trauma forever? Or do I want to make a change? Yeah. As someone who's lived on both sides of that coin, let me tell you, the latter is much better. Because <laughs> when, when I lived this victimized role and I was destroying my body, my friendships, my relationships, all the people in my life, like really putting myself through the ringer, ultimately setting myself up for a complete utter failure, I probably would have been dead by 30 if I wouldn't have had the wake up call and been like, you know what? Actually, you have to create change and you have to decide, Michael, what the fuck you're going to do with your life? What is it that you're really going to do? Because the system has always been against me. Everyone had always told me I'm never going to make it. And part of it is like, realistically, I have a chip on my shoulder. And maybe that's the catalyst that some people need to drive. I have a list. I literally have a list of people's names. And it's like, to me, in these moments where I have to tap into my strength and I feel weak and I feel like I don't want to keep going and I feel done, I go... All right, I'm going to show you. And it's not even like I want to like roll up to them on the side of the road one day and flip them the bird. I don't care if I ever see them again, but I want them to know that somewhere I'm doing what I want to do despite what they thought I was going to be able to do. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I try to use the 
my lesser self <laughs> in my favor, you know, my competitive side, like where can I channel that mm-hmm. so that it works for me and doesn't cause more dan- damage or yeah. like, you know what, if I, if I get in shape out of vanity, fine. Like so I can what? You did it. Self-compassion, you know? Yeah. I think sometimes we have to remove this idea that the ego is a bad thing and leverage it. Yes. Yes. So when you talk about this healing journey, which, which is open-ended, you know, you don't get a medal, you don't get a finish line. What are some of the things that have been most effective for you? Some of the ongoing practices? Um, Probably more so than anything is like literally writing down goals and saying, this is what it is that I want to accomplish. And then reverse engineering and going back. And if you don't know what that means is, write down the goal, what it is that you want to experience, what you want to do, what you want to accomplish, and then back it all the way down to the very first step and then figure out what is the lowest common entry point to create change or to make that goal happen or to move up that road. Right. Um, and so for a long time, that was it, right? How do I, and I wrote, I write my goals every year and I revise them on my birthday and then I do it again. Uh, and because I always want to be moving forward towards something and then I'll keep them taped on my refrigerator or they're sitting on my desk or they're in one of my four journals on my desk right now. They're always somewhere, right? They've even been like a screenshot on the back of my phone. Um, and that's because I want to be able to see, I want it in my head all the time, right? We get lost in distraction. We get lost in social media and in all of the things in life that exist that are meant to distract us to what set us up for failure, right? And I go back to those things and I look at those goals and I go, okay, am I living with intention right now? Am I moving towards the places that I told myself I would? That's part of it. And the other part is accountability. You have to be able to hold true to the things that you say you're going to do, which is really, really, really difficult, right? And, and that's kind of the area where you're always going to sway back and forth. Life happens. But are you course correcting? Are you getting back on the path to continue to move forward? And so when you're in these moments of uh, nonchalantness about life and you're feeling very like, eh, whatever, ask yourself, are you being accountable? And are you living with intention? And are you moving towards the things that you promised yourself that you were going to do? One of the things that I make every one of my clients do is they have to sign a contract and an agreement that says that they will hold their promises to themselves. Because realistically, that's one of the most important things we have to do as a human being is hold true to the things that we say we're going to do. And then the last piece I think is, you know, you have to be able to build a community of healing around you. And that community can be therapists, it can be friends, it can be people who support you, it can be coaches like me. Um, But you have to take a really hard look at the people that surround you. Are they people who are helping you set yourself up for success? A lot of times, and I will tell you this, the people who were friends in my 20s, that I was friends with 20s, they're not my friends now. And that is not only necessarily because I had to remove some of them, um, but because as you grow and as you change, those people may not grow and change with you. And more so, they may be resentful of the idea that you're a different person. And so you need to think about the people you surround yourself with and building a team. Like you are the general manager of your life, of your basketball team life. And so you need a coach, you need players, you need 
uh, support systems. You need the guy who tapes the ankles. You need all of it, right? And so you need to lay that out. And for me, you know, it's been therapists and my own coaches, and it's been going to seminars and being around people like you who are about life and creating change and impact and being in healthy, smart, responsible relationships and not being around people who want to snort Coke and ride bicycles and, you know, whatever the craziness is that life is that yeah, comes, like right? Bicycle riders. Yeah. Those, <laughs> look, all right. Indiana is a very weird place. I'll tell you a story sometime about that, but that comes to mind because I have this memory like, oh yeah, I remember that night. Uh, but my, my point being is you have to really ask yourself, who am I surrounding myself by? Yeah. You know, you talked about gurus and when uh, my friends write books or publish a book about life goals, you know, I have a lot, I'm still sorting through the ethics of life coaching, right? Like sure. I'm a business coach. Um, and I think that professionals should be uh, somehow vetted and coaching is the wild west right now. There's no certification. 100%. Um, the coach certifications that exist are mostly shit. Yeah. Most coaches don't know what they're talking about. Um, and so I appreciated that you have this disclaimer at the beginning of the book that is, if you are experiencing a mental health crisis, if you are suicidal, here's the phone number go to a professional. So I like that you talk about this idea of having a team of influences. Um, you know, and I, ha I have used therapy on and off throughout my life. Um, where do you see your position as a coach and a course creator and an author in relation to doctors, to psychologists and, yeah. and the other professionals? That's a great question. Um, I'm an accompaniment I am I am the the banjo in a folk band. You kind of need me. You can't have the folk band with a, I don't know where that analogy just came from. But but my point being is like you have to have systems in place and I think that what I do is a part of the system. What I do is I help most therapists um, that you're going to work with, they're not they're not helping you game plan. They're not helping you create a pathway. They're helping you understand which is super important and foundational. I don't talk about your past. Like realistically, I understand that it, it is how you kind of get to me. And when people Google me, I'm one of the first people that show up in trauma and CPTSD life coaching. But what I do is I help you reframe and understand and create a pathway because you do have to have the other pieces of the puzzle and you do have to have intervention from multiple different areas, right? And maybe if you're one of my clients, you need to go to have AA meetings right? And that needs to be a part of the conversation. And so, you know, when I look at it again, this is the same way when you, when you're the general manager of your life and you're putting together your employment roster and you're looking at this, I'm the coach, right? But you still have the team doctor, the team psychologist, the team, whatever, right? I'm, I'm just kind of overseeing and helping you make decisions that are going to be impactful for your life. I'm not ultimately what I do is I never tell people, this is what you have to do. This is the right or wrong. I lead them to being able to answer the question themselves, right? Because oftentimes they don't even know where to begin to ask the question. If that makes sense. Yeah. When people are coach shopping, you know, I tell them, look for somebody who will tell you when they don't specialize in something, you know, and yeah. um, if someone comes to me and says like, I need help raising money for my business idea. I say, I don't do fundraising. Like yeah. I can help you generate revenue, but I don't do fundraising. It's just not my thing. Like I tell I people no all the time. Right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. 
You have to, because like realistically, like it's not going to do anyone any good if you have a very specialized scenario and you're like, I need help with that. And I've never experienced that. Why? That's the snake oil, right? That's what's happening in the society right now where, and, and, and most people who are in this life coach industry are full of shit. I'll call it how it is because it's true. They buy a program, they rebrand it, they put it out into the world. Everything Think Unbroken I created from scratch. Not a bit of it is from somewhere else. Now I'm not saying there's not inspiration in there because of course that's how it works. But um, I didn't rebrand some course and I'm trying to sell it to you to fix all your problems. I always think of it as being a DJ. Like I'm sampling, I'm remixing, I'm scratching. Like there's all these different things. It sounds like you did some original tracks in there too. But we're not talking about like early Puffy where he would just like take a song and add like one scratch to it. <laughs> but I do, I see a lot of people in my industry, um, they actually are not qualified. They've never achieved any of the results that they say they can create, but they, yeah. they have thrown a lot of money at taking other courses and repurpose them into their own content. Yeah. If, if your coach hasn't accomplished the thing that you're trying to do, don't hire them. Yeah or at least helped other people accomplish that. I still even say don't hire them because if you haven't created change in your life, how can you tell someone else how to create change in theirs? I don't know. I disagree. I think, mm. I think in, on some level, like priests make the best marriage counselors because even though they haven't been married, they're more objective about marriage. That's Sure. Okay, fine. Well, let's agree that it's circumstantial. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Yeah. Well, I try to tell like my friends who are moms, I'm like, you can talk to me because I won't judge you. Yeah. <laughs> I, I could not do it. And I don't yeah, do it. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess if somebody is really feeling stuck in their life, um, maybe even broken, what is the first step to starting to think unbroken? You have to just put yourself in a place of recognizing that you have to give yourself permission to start this journey. You can't be in this place of pre-contemplation. You can't ponder the idea of the what if. You have to literally go, okay, I can do this. And instilling the self-belief that is possible because look, realistically, the path ahead is very long and it's very hard and stark, right? But you have to come to this place where you acknowledge I can possibly do this, right? And so it starts there. You're just like, okay, I think I can do this. How do I do it? Right. And, and you're just beginning to reframe this idea and understanding of the capability that you have. So many people don't recognize that they can do something. It doesn't matter in life and business and relationships and work like you can do prop. Look, here's the thing. Like I think about this often, like the first dude who ever went skydiving, like that dude probably died. Right. He was like, all right, I'm gonna try this parachute thing. I don't know. I'll figure it out. But then the second dude who did it, he was, he was like, oh yeah, I got it, right? And then it goes on and on and on and on. And you kind of get to this place where you recognize what it is, is sometimes you have to latch onto this idea that the people in front of you have done this and thus it's possible. It's like the four minute mile, right? We talk about this all the time. Roger Bannister broke the four minute mile and then it got broken again, like 12 times in six weeks or something crazy like that, right? Because we just need evidence in front of us that it's possible. But you have to also plant that seed in your head that says, I can. I think that's the strength of a peer coaching model or, you know, like if you do a group or, or with a single person, you know, somebody who's been through it can give you that inspiration that, that it's possible and you're doing that yeah. for others. 
Yeah, because it is possible. And, you know, maybe it's just inherent in me. I had this interesting moment the other day where I recognized that when I was like 14, I was on the wrestling team, football team, all, all the sports when I was in high school. And the kids always would call me coach, but they would mock me. It wouldn't be like this, like, oh, you're like helping or whatever. It would be very like mocking. And the reason behind that is, was because I just wanted the people around me to succeed too. Even though like my life was like a nightmare. I was like, let's just figure this out. And I was listening to this podcast the other day and I wish I could remember the dude's name and I can't right now. And he was like, a lot of times the nicknames that you get when you were a kid become the reality of who you are as an adult. Wow. And I recognized for the first time, like even when I walked down the hall and even though they were mocking me, they'd be like, what's up coach, right? I recognize even at 13, 14 years old, like that's what people thought I was, right? And they're asshole kids, so whatever. But now as an adult, it's like, oh, that's come to pass. Like that holds true. Um, and, and I think like that was kind of the thing too. Like you can identify the possibility of what's next if you just allow yourself to believe it. That's beautiful. Well, truly, thank you, coach, in that case, said with all honesty and admiration. Um, anything else you want to let people know about how to find you, how to keep up with uh, your next book, your next speaking gig? Yeah, um, you can find me on all the things at Michael Unbroken. Um, and then my website is thinkunbroken.com. Uh, there's also information about Think Unbroken Academy, which is an online training course that I have right there as well. Um, and all of the things. So they're all there. Awesome. I can't wait to see what you do next. Thank you for being part of the pregame family. Game on. Thank you for listening to the Michael Unbroken podcast. To leave your question for Michael, call 971-801-2446. Please follow, like, subscribe, and review. And don't forget to check out more mental health resources at thinkunbroken.com. And follow Michael on Instagram at michaelunbroken. Hey, my friends, we will be right back to the show. But I have a question for you. Are you struggling with the impact of childhood trauma? Well, know that you're not alone. I'm here to let you know that I'm starting a brand new weekly coaching group that includes a year of live coaching, accountability, support, habit and goal setting, and more. I'm starting a waitlist for the group right now, and I'm only taking a handful of people. And I'll let you know that through this personalized coaching, we'll work together to help you understand how your childhood trauma has shaped your beliefs, behaviors, emotions, and will help you create a roadmap for healing and growth. Right now, you can schedule an absolutely free coaching session with me and get put on the wait list if you go to thinkunbroken.com. My friends, it's your time to turn your trauma into triumph, breakdowns into breakthroughs, and become the hero of your own story. And I'm here to support you in doing that. Just go to thinkunbroken.com to register for a free coaching call with me and to get put on the wait list for the brand new weekly coaching program. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for two forty nine dollars a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. 
Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.